Welcome into the Big Boy Sports Corner. My name is Nick Winstead, and I'm joined by... Randall Davis. Randall, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Got a day off. Got a day off Monday. A little sickness rolling around here in Blount County. Staffing shortages more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but excited to have, a, have an extra day off after the Super Bowl. Um, excited to get Episode 10 recorded. Had a little technical difficulties last week. We uh, had recorded our NASCAR preview and uh, for some reason, one of our mics didn't work, so we're going to get that one recorded next week and put out before the Daytona 500. But we're excited to record today and talk about Super Bowl 57. Uh, it's a good number. You know how I feel about that number. So I think this is going to be a good one. We're excited to talk a little bit about that one today and, and uh, see how that one goes. So, yeah, definitely uh, the big game's coming up on Sunday evening, so obviously we're going to dive into the matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, Uh, talk about keys to the game, talk about key players. As always, at the Big Boys Corner Picks, we'll make our pick and our score for the game. Uh, We'll also have our Power Five this week, so let's get rolling. Diving right into Super Bowl 57, man, excited to see uh, what what gets going here with Kansas City and Philadelphia. Um, you know, looking back at the, the NFC Championship game, you know, we had Philadelphia and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. There was a game that we talked about, we, we were excited about, thought it was going to be a, a really good matchup. And then early on in the game, Brock Purdy got hurt, you know, and that changed the, the dynamic of that game really quickly, you know. We knew that it was going to be a tall task anyways because Philadelphia is really good on defense, no different than what San Francisco was. But, you know, with Brock Purdy going down and Josh Johnson coming in, who was on his 13th team, yeah, yeah. hard to believe. (laughs) Um, They just became, you know, inept on offense, couldn't do anything. And Brock Purdy, you know, ended up tearing his UCL, Tommy John surgery, um, looming for him. And, um Kansas City, I'm sorry, Philadelphia dominated that game. Jalen Hurts um, looked really good. Defense played really well. And, and they just – everything set up well for them to, to get into the to the Super Bowl. What did you see in that game? You know, obviously when you're on your third-string quarterback already. Now, granted, he was undefeated as a starter at that point and had played really well. But you know when you're on your third-string quarterback – and he goes down, the options are super limited. Josh Johnson comes in, like you said, on his 13th team. They were talking about it on uh, one of the CBS national broadcasts the other day on the radio, and this guy is the epitome of bouncing around the league. So he comes in, uh, then he gets hurt, and they're left with, hey, do we move Christian McCaffrey to quarterback, which honestly might not have been a bad option, Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, they move him to quarterback. They bring Brock, Brock Purdy back in, <clears throat> and he can't throw the ball more than five yards down the field. He throws a couple of check downs to Christian McCaffrey. Um, so, yeah, by that point, everything's falling into Philadelphia's favor. They hold uh, San Francisco to around 160 yards of offense. So, their offensive stats, Philadelphia's offensive stats, don't really jump off the board, but they're efficient in this game. 
They run the ball for 148 yards. Hurts throws no picks, takes one sack. So it's just a everything falls in their favor, and they were never really tested in this game at all. And the thing that the thing that frustrated me was, you know, Brock Purdy had been so efficient, undefeated in his time as a quarterback, and you knew it was going to be a tall task regardless because Philadelphia had been the best team in the NFC all year. Yeah. But when he goes down, we know this as Tennessee fans and as, as you know, living here in, in Tennessee, but why don't you throw Juwan Jennings in there? Mm. You know, Juwan Jennings signed with Tennessee as a quarterback, played played quarterback at Blackman High School under the direction of Phillip Shad Owens, who, who we obviously – have coached for and have a relationship with, but he can throw the football, but also the dynamic that he he could possibly bring. Does he – can he run an NFL offense? Probably not, but can he do things in the backfield with Christian McCaffrey and, and you know, give you more of a chance? Because Josh Johnson wasn't giving you that. No. And then when he went down, Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball more than five five to seven yards. I yeah. mean, it was it – was, you just had no offense. And so – you know, I'm not saying you put Jawan Jennings back there and you go win the football game, but we know he's certainly capable of throwing the football. Right. And it, it was just – you knew when Purdy went down that it was it was pretty much, hey, this this game's over. Yeah. Um, it got chippy there at the end. Trent Williams body slammed a guy and, you know, um, was glad to see. It. it didn't look like any suspensions or anything came from that, some of those ejections. Mm. Um, but Eagles pull out the win there. Um, just what they're able to do, not only defensively with, you know, Brandon Graham, who, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier, and we'll talk about keys to the game, but Brandon Graham, who played at Michigan with, you know, he was there with Chad Henney and Braylon Edwards and, and Mike Hart, a, yeah. a really stacked uh, Michigan team, but had his best career sack total this year, um, you know, 13, 14 years into the league. Um, with 11 sacks this year. Um, Fletcher Cox is on the team. Um, you know, they're they're really good defensively. But, man, then you go look at their – you go look at their offensive players. And not only has Jalen Hurts had a really good year, but now you've got Miles Sanders at running back. You've got Devontae Smith. Uh, you got a little receiver named A.J. Brown, who, <laughs> right. who we're familiar with here in Tennessee especially. And um, – you know, you've got – is it um, – their tight end is Dallas, Dallas Goddard. Goddard. Yeah. Um, you know, just they're, they're really – you know, they've just been so efficient. They've, they've taken care of the ball. You know, they've ran for 2,500 yards on the year. They're averaging 4.6 yards a carry, 4,300 passing yards um, on the year. They, they've just – They've been efficient, and that's what it takes to to continue to to get there and playing clean games. It seems like every time we've talked NFL and we've talked playoffs is who can play a clean game, who can take care of the ball, and Philadelphia continues to do that. Right. And I think that's why why they're there. And then you look over at the AFC Championship game um, with Kansas City and, and Cincinnati, and – you know, that was a game that we both picked the Bengals, and that game finished up Chiefs 23, Bengals 20. And that game was just, you know, 
it was one of those that the whole game you you thought going into it, hey, I don't know how healthy Mahomes is. I don't know if he's going to be able to um, be what he usually is, right? He's right. he's not going to be able to get out of the pocket and play off schedule like he, he tends to want to do. And, you know, going into halftime, it was 13-6. to six. Um, Yes. And, you know, at the end of the third quarter, it was 20-13. to 13. And so the Chiefs, you know, kind of controlled that game. But what they – what they were able to do is Mahomes threw for 326 yards um, and, and held Burrow to 270. Um, Valdez Scantling had a really good game with 116 yards, um, but they had two interceptions uh, yeah. on Burrow, and, and that's obviously a, a big point part of the game. You know, everyone wants to talk about officiating and some calls there late in the game. They, they wanted to, you know – Oh, it's rigged. Oh, it's rigged. They they wanted to, <laughs> right. and, and you know you can look at some of those things and say that certainly there were some questionable calls, but two interceptions to none. Yeah, Kansas City played the cleaner game. Yeah, and and Kansas City got to Joe Burrow five times for thirty two yards on sacks, and it uh, early in the game, I think they sacked him on back to back plays or something like that. So, and obviously, we talked about it going into this game, Cincinnati had some guys out on the offensive line. I believe they were down three starters, two at least. Um, and a, a Cincinnati offensive line that was rebuilt this year uh, and had played better uh, in pass protection. But, you know, when you give up five sacks, when you have two interceptions, uh, it's really hard to win a ball game when the other team has zero interceptions. Um uh, and the other team gives up three sacks. So, yeah, it didn't – it never in this game – you know, Patrick Mahomes had 326 yards, two touchdowns. Um, but it wasn't – it was a quiet 326 yards and two touchdowns. He wasn't scrambling all over the field. Uh, and obviously he was probably at uh, 60 65% in this game, but – Uh, A very gutsy performance by him. A gutsy performance, you know, Travis Kelsey has seven catches for 78 yards and the touchdown. We didn't know if he was going to play in this game at all. Um, And they had some other players go down, receivers go down during the game and and had guys that are mostly special teams guys step up uh, at the the wideout position. So, yeah, uh, a gutsy uh, performance by Kansas City. It's not Burrowhead. It was Arrowhead that night. And and, and the thing that I, I think that's interesting, neither team ran the ball very well. Joe Mixon, who had a really good um, divisional round, only ran for 19 yards. Uh, and Kansas City only ran for 42 yards. But it's just, again, you look at they didn't turn the ball over. They had one fumble um, that Patrick Mahomes lost, but the two picks, and then, again, you come back to the, the sacks. You know, Cincinnati had three, but but they weren't as costly as the five that um, Kansas City ended up right. with. And, you know, you look at Frank Clark had one and a half. Chris Jones, who has been a phenomenal um, sack getter in his NFL career, but has never had a playoff sack yeah. until 
had you know, two they of them. had two in the AFC Championship game, and so um, Kansas City did what they had to do to pull out the win. Um, sorry, Scott West, your Bengals didn't make it. I wanted the Bengals to be there. I'm, I'm. It's easy to get tired of a team that's made six consecutive AFC Championship yeah. games or whatever that number is, and um, you know they have generational talent on their team. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes statistically is on a crazy pace to get up there. Travis Kelsey, excuse me, when you go look at his numbers at the point he's at in his career is already a top five tight end and receiving yards all time. And, and he still has four or five years that he's going to be able to go, go do this thing. And so, um, but sets up Super Bowl 57. You know, you you look at the uh, Chiefs and the Eagles, and and we were talking in lunch the other day, and and Coach West brought up this point, and who is the best quarterback that the Eagles have played all year? It's certainly not Patrick Mahomes, and that doesn't take away the what the Eagles have done, but you go back and look at their schedule. And so, obviously, you know, they started off the year, they played the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, who, you know, or the Lions was their first game. We know Jared Goff has his games, but the Vikings, the Commanders, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence certainly is on on an upward trajectory. Uh, Cardinals, Kyler Murray, I mean, he's, you know, he's on a downward trajectory. Cowboys, Dak Prescott threw more interceptions this year than any year of his career. Um, Steelers, who knows who even played quarterback for him that week because right. they were playing musical chairs. Texans, uh, again, same same deal there. Who played for them that week? Um, you know, certainly you would say Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback they played, but, yeah. you know, he's playing with a bunch of scrubs at receiver. Right. That he – that was probably about the fourth week he played with them. You yeah. know, I mean, because yeah. – he decided he he doesn't want to do the, the off season stuff, and now he's probably sitting in some dark room somewhere deciding <laughs> if he wants to play. So, um, you know, this is certainly going to be the biggest test they've had at quarterback. It doesn't change the fact that they have the most sacks in the NFL, right? And they get after the quarterback, and they they force sacks and they force pressures, which forces interceptions. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't make mistakes too often, right? And and so, you know, what what do you see as the keys to the game? And I think they're going to be recurring, right, things that yeah. we've talked about quite often. But how do you see the, the Eagles being able to pull out the win here? Well, let's just talk a little bit about um, key, key players and, and tie it in with keys to the game. You look at Philadelphia, we'll talk defensively first. Um, you know, led the led the league in sacks this year with 70. Uh, also led the league in tackles for loss, I believe, with 97. Um, had four guys with double-digit sacks. Hassan Reddick led them with 16. Uh, then we mentioned Brandon Graham, uh, Javon Hargrave, and Sweat each had 11 sacks. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson with six interceptions. <laughs> Two times in a row with a mic drop. Um, so, you know, defensively, they T.J. Edwards led them with 159 tackles. So, defensively, 
<clears throat> a key to the game for the Eagles is continue getting to the quarterback. Um, now, again, we mentioned all those quarterbacks that they've played. They've obviously not played Patrick Mahomes. They've not played a quarterback the caliber you can say Aaron Rodgers, but with the escapability and, and what Patrick Mahomes does off schedule, making plays, um, they've not played a quarterback like that. So defensively, getting to Patrick Mahomes, um, making him uncomfortable in the pocket and then bringing him down, you know, getting sacks on Patrick Mahomes, forcing him into some turnovers. You know, Patrick Mahomes is not a turnover machine, but he did have – I believe, 11 or 12 interceptions this year uh, in the regular season. So, and that's, and we've talked about that quite a bit on here that that's kind of the norm right now. Uh, but, but forcing him in the turnovers, um, getting to the quarterback defensively would be key for Philadelphia. And then offensively, man, they've got, we talk about the Chiefs and playmakers, the Eagles got, some cats on offense. You know, Jalen Hurts, um, 3,700 yards this year, missed some time, 22 touchdowns. One thing he doesn't do very often is throw interceptions. Threw six this year. Uh, but and also rushed for 760 yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, Miles Sanders had a 1,300-yard year. A.J. Brown, 1,500 yards receiving. Devontae Smith, almost 1,200 yards receiving. So offensively, um, the Eagles have playmakers. The Eagles have playmakers in the backfield. Uh, they have playmakers on the edge. Dallas Goddard is not a Travis Kelsey-level tight end, but a good tight end. So what do you think about what can Philadelphia do offensively to score points and to keep up with Kansas City? I think when you look at what the Eagles do – they are multiple in what they do. They obviously get Jalen Hurts extremely involved in their offense in the run game. Um, you know, and there's times in the game that they just – they get rolling in the run game. And with who they have in the pass game with Brown and Devontae Smith and Goddard, and they just keep running, running, running. And it's Sanders and it's Boston Scott and um, Jalen Hurts and – you know, I think they're going to have to continue to be multiple, and I think they're going to have to keep Kansas City guessing. Um, you know, Kansas City's defense coordinator is Steve Spagnola, yeah. who obviously been around the league a long time, been a head coach, um, does a really good job as a defensive coordinator. But I think the key for them is going to be: can you mix it up enough, and can you can you keep Kansas City on the on their toes, and can Jalen Hurts do enough on on the ground? to keep the defensive backs, the defensive secondary, um, having to come up and make plays that now play action RPO type stuff, you know, becomes open with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You know, Kansas City's no slouch on defense either. You look at – I mean, you look at their defensive, defensive players and, you know, on the year, Nick Bolton – Young linebacker had 180 tackles combined. Yeah, you know 108 solo. Ladarius Sneed, cornerback. Willie Gay Jr., um, Justin Reed. Um, but also you go look at their front. Chris Jones, who had 17 sacks or 15 and a half sacks. I'm sorry in the regular season. Uh, Kalen Saunders, 
Frank Clark, you know, another he, – he had five sacks in the regular season, but he's had a, a really good um, postseason. Carlos Dunlap, who, man, been around for a long time. Carlos yeah. Dunlap's 33, you know, former Florida Gator who, who has bounced around. Um, they're no slouch on defense. So, they're going to have to come out and play. And, and I think the key is, is Lane Johnson healthy? Lane Johnson's an all-pro right tackle, but – the thing was going into the NFC Championship game is that he had retore his groin or, or hip flexor or something in that that range, and so he's going to have to work, man, against some of those defensive ends. And you know, if they slide Frank Clark out there or they slide Chris Jones out to the edge, um, you know, Jason Kelsey's going to have to have a big day. Jason Kelsey's been around for a long time, All Pro center, um, but I think the key is again being multiple, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to get the ball to A.J. Brown. Miles Sanders is going to have to have a good game. But I think you you got to put the ball in the hands of your best players, and your two best players on offense are A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And so, A.J. Brown needs to have a big game. Um, can he have that? You know, you, you look at the AFC Championship game, Higgins had 85 yards. Uh, Jamar Chase had 75 yards. Jamar Chase is, you know, easily a, probably a top five receiver in the league. Yeah. Neither of those guys are as physical as A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Brown's 6'3", 230, and can run. So, can you be physical with him and keep him? You can't press him like you can some of the smaller receivers because right. he's going he's gonna to out-physical you and, and get open. So, um, that that's the keys to me is, is being multiple, getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And they've got to protect, but they've done a good job of that all year. As long as Lane Johnson's healthy, Jason Kelsey has a good game. Keeping Goddard in at times, mixing up, having that six-man protection and sneaking him out on some delay routes I think can be good and and then getting him over the middle. What do you think are the keys for Kansas City to slow down Philadelphia's defense? You know, you talked about it. Philadelphia led the league in sacks. All those names you just named, I mean, you you start looking at, you know, you start looking at some of the people they have and – you're talking about Hassan Reddick. You're talking about Brandon Graham. You're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, you know Darius Slay in the backfield uh, for them. They just they, the the number the people just keep adding up. Javon Hargrave. They they just have all kinds of people. What can the Chiefs do? Um, you know what can the Eagles do to put pressure on the Chiefs' offense? You know, obviously um, having arguably one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Um, pass rushing always helps. Um, the big question and swirling around would be how healthy and how effective is Patrick Mahomes? He's got two weeks off, and obviously that helps considerably. Um, if he's still at that, you know, 65, 70% range, and the Bengals' defensive line, there's no slouches. I mean, they've got some good players up front, but Philadelphia, like we said, has four guys with double-digit sacks, 70 sacks on the year, 97 tackles for loss. Um, so to, to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes is going to be key. Can the, can the Chiefs get the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand? You know, obviously you've got a security blanket with Travis Kelsey who's the best tight end in the league right now. Arguably, when he retires, he's going to be one of the best tight ends in 
in NFL history. Can you get the ball to him quick? Can you get the ball on the perimeter quick to Valdez Scantling, to um, Juju Smith-Schuster, guys like that? Isaiah Pacheco had <clears throat> had some catches out of the backfield this year. And speaking of him, can you run the football? And that's not something that – it's not that Kansas City couldn't do it. You know, they could, they could line up and run the football when they need to, but, man, when you got Patrick Mahomes who – just won his second MVP, throwing for 52, almost 5,300 yards, you're going to throw the ball. Uh, so getting the ball out of his hands quick to those guys on the perimeter, to Travis Kelsey, um, not taking deep shots as much because protection is going to be uh, a key against these guys. And we don't know how effective – Patrick Mahomes can be getting out of the pocket, scrambling around like he does when he's healthy. High ankle sprains don't typically heal in three weeks completely. Now, will he be better? Sure. And he'll have all the treatment and everything over these couple weeks, but. They'll surely have that thing taped up and oh, yeah. juiced up, and he'll, yeah. get him, he'll get him a shot in there. But it's important. I, I think that Kansas City's offense has transformed from a year ago. Yeah. Tyreek Hill – gave them the deep – I mean, Tyree Kill was probably the fastest guy in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he was a deep threat. You go throw the ball and he's going to run under it. And it put a lot of pressure on defenses. Now, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a good receiver, and he's been good for them. But what I can see Philadelphia doing is saying, we're going to lock these guys up outside and we're going to send pressure. Yeah. Have fun. But I, So I think that for Kansas City offensively, They've got to come into this game with the game plan of we're going to – what does any offense do when they're worried about the pass rush? They're worried about the defensive pressure. They're, they're going to they're gonna screen. Mm-hmm. They're going to use the screen game. They're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to um, have the safety blanket of Travis Kelsey over yeah. the middle on hot routes. But I could see Pacheco and, and McKinnon and if Kadarius Toney is healthy, I could see those guys having a big game. And then it's how does Philadelphia adjust? Yeah. If Kansas City comes out with that game plan in the first half and they have some success with it because they're sending pressure, they're getting to the quarterback, and they get the ball to those guys, how does how do they come out in the second half and adjust to that? Do they back off that man man press coverage? You know, do they go into more of a zone um, to try to, to – try to uh, stop some of that quick game stuff and some of that screen game stuff. And then how does how does Kansas City adjust on that? And that's the beautiful beautiful thing about the game of football, right, is it's that game of chess. You do this, I'm going to do that. And, and there's no better person in the NFL than Andy Reid at doing that. Yeah. And he, and he knows he knows what his plan is. If they adjust to this, here's where I'm going. Right. And he has the tools to do that. And so, but I think the thing that's not going to be talked about enough in all of this is, man, Kansas City's got a pretty good offensive line. Yeah. You know, you you look at who they have up front, and obviously we know Trey Smith, and he's been really good for them as a late-round pickup because of the health issues. But, you know, they also had have Creed Humphrey at center. They also have <clears throat> Joe Tooney at left guard. You know, they they've got some – guys up front that that help protect Patrick Mahomes so 
that's going to be the really fun part of watching this game is seeing the chess match between Andy Reid and Sirianni is, you know, who can who can go back and forth on all this and, and win the chess match of here's my game plan. Can you can you stop it? Now can you stop my adjustment? Right. And the, and the, you you mentioned that, and it leads into my my point here. That's the X factor to me in this game. It's not anybody that's going to put a helmet shoulder pads on. It's not anybody that's going to step between the white lines. It's who's on the sideline for both teams. Nick Sirianni's obviously done a fantastic job, you know, going 14-3 and three this year. Number one seed last year went 9-8 and eight, um, and, and went to the playoffs. But – and is going to have a good NFL career as a head coach. But on the other side – You've got Andy Reid, who's in his 24th season as a head coach, and we were we were talking about looking at it the other day. I believe he's fourth or fifth all time in wins as an NFL head coach. Um, he has counting regular season and postseason, uh, he's 247, 138, and one, and has been to the playoffs multiple times. Coach, this is his now fourth Super Bowl that he's coached in, coached with one with Donovan McNabb and the Eagles, and now he's third in Kansas City. Um, that's the X factor to me is Andy Reid has been there, done that, has coached for multiple years and can counter what Nick Sirianni wants to do. You know, that chess match you talked about, you've got a pretty good chess player in Nick Sirianni, and you've got a chess – master player in Andy Reid. I, I definitely think that there – and I will talk about this more when we make our pick, but I think that it comes down to these. both of these teams have had incredible years. You don't get to where they're at by not having it. But I think it comes down to three or four different players and, and coaches, and, and I think that's what's going to determine this game. Well, that's it for our – preview of the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 57. We're excited to watch this. Maybe even more excited that we're out Monday and we, yeah. can, we can stay up and <laughs> watch all the festivities. And um, But, you know, going to be a good one. Um, I think that there's a chance it's going to have, you know, you, you've got you've got two really good offenses, but you've got two really good defenses. And yeah. you, you know, you never know going into these games. You, you think, man, both of these teams can score, but they both do a pretty good job at stopping teams too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, where this one's going to go, fun fun to see, excited to see where it goes. Don't think the halftime show is going to live up to last year for me anyways. It was fun to see Dr. Dre and, and Snoop mm. Dogg. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 92. I was born in 92, so that was kind of the heyday of uh, a lot of music for me. But – We'll be back in a minute for the Power Five. And we're back. It's time for the Power Five. This week's Power Five is brought to you by NC's Campers. Spring break will be here before you know it. And if you need a camper for a getaway, the link will be posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. The camper they have available sleeps four and is perfect for a small family or a guy's trip to the races. Contact Joe at area code 419-575-2264. And make sure you tell him you heard about it on the Big Boy Sports Corner 
Thanks to NC's Campers for sponsoring the Power Five. This week on the Power Five, we're going to take a look and talk about our top five NFL quarterback draft prospects. The draft's coming up at the end of April, but we're kind of nearing towards the end of football season here, so we kind of thought, hey, let's take a look at guys that play under center. Well, that's always been the same as under center. Behind center, now most teams don't go under center anymore, uh, that are coming up into the NFL draft. So, uh, Randall, won't you tell us your top five NFL draft prospects for the quarterback position? So when I was looking at this, obviously you can go look at big boards and you can look at mock drafts, and, and there are going to be four, four or five of these guys in the first two or three rounds. I based it on what I've seen. And, yeah. look, I'm no Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper. I, I, obviously, I've watched a lot of football. I've coached football. Um, but there are a lot of these guys we've seen a lot of, right? Yeah. And so I'm just going to dive right in. Anthony Richardson is not on my list. Um, I get it. He's a big – he's 6'5". He's got a cannon. There is absolutely nothing that he has done in his college career that tells me he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. And I don't care about the intangibles. If you can't throw the football to the open receiver, then you're not going to be successful in the NFL. You can say it's coaching. You can say it's scheme. Right. You can't fix accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. When it's been a consistent problem. So you will not find Anthony Richardson on my list. (laughs) Honorable mention Malik Cunningham, quarterback out of Louisville. Mm, Um, I would have probably had him a little higher on my list. He, from all accounts, struggled really bad at – the senior bowl. Um, but, you know, you look at him, some of his downfall, he's 6'1", 190, not very big. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they project him somewhere around a 4'7", so he can move. He, he's, he's got some mobility. Um, you know, in 2022, 62% of his passes completed, 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns, five picks. Not very good. Right. But he ran for 565 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, skipped his bowl game, began preparing for the – um, senior bowl, but the year prior, he completed 62% of his passes for 2,900 yards, 19 touchdowns, six picks. And he ran for 1,000 yards. So he certainly fits the way the game is moving. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the thing that you worry about with a guy like him is he another Malik Willis. Mm. He obviously shares the first name. Yeah. Malik Willis is terrible, and if he starts for the Titans this year, I will not watch the Titans. So, <laughs> um, He's my honorable mention. Number five, Will Levis. Will Levis has all the intangibles that I talked about with Anthony Richardson. Right. His hands are gigantic. He can throw a football a mile. Um, he is much better than Anthony Richardson. He, he, can, he can do all the things that a quarterback needs to do. The thing you worry about with him, he doesn't – he didn't play well in the big games. Yeah. Obviously, the notable one for us, he threw for less than 100 yards against Tennessee. Yeah. Against the Tennessee defense that wasn't very good, especially against stopping the pass. Yeah. Um, you know, but you, you look at Will Levis's intangibles, and, and I just – he has – he is – so Will Levis stands in at 6'3", he's 230 pounds, and he's – you know, projected around a four seven five, so he can move. Mm-hmm. You know, this year he completed sixty five percent of his passes, twenty four hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns, but he threw ten picks. That's not great. Skipped the bowl game, um, and so he he he's prone to picks. Obviously, 
holds on the ball, holds on to the ball a little bit too much, so he takes too many sacks. You know, last year he he had a better year. Um, another guy that we've seen a lot of. Um, he was 66% last year for 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, still 13 picks. Look, it's part of the game, right? They throw a lot of picks these days. The only thing with him is Kentucky's not a spread, right? you know, throw the ball 40-time a game type team, and he's he's throwing that many picks is probably the worrisome part for them. Yeah. For me, at number four, I've got Max Duggan. And that's probably where I'm going to be a lot different than a lot of people. You know, on a lot of draft boards, they've got him down as, you know, eighth, ninth quarterback, um, projected as like a, a third to fifth round type guy. But what I know is he's a gamer, right? The guy had yeah freaking open heart surgery, worked his way back, won the starting job. And this year he completed 64% of his passes for 3,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, and eight picks. So he takes care of the ball pretty well. He, he runs – Ran for 423 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, he also didn't have a great um, senior bowl. But everyone says he's exceptionally smart. He, he plays in an up-tempo spread offense that um, with Sonny Dykes. And, and, you know, football has gone to that type of um, game. And they think he, he could potentially be a sub-six, four-six forty type guy. Well, that's moving. Yeah. And, and in, a, in a league where – Linebackers are running four fours now. That's a pretty handy thing to have, right? So, number three on my list, Hendo, Hendon Hooker. That might sound like a biased pick, right? I'm a huge Tennessee fan. But he just does all the things that you need to do well to be a, a, a quarterback in the NFL for a long time. He takes care of the football first and foremost, right? Like, that's – in this day and age, quarterbacks that take care of the football is extremely important. And he does that well. You know, you go look at his stats. And in his two years at Tennessee, um, he threw five picks. And he threw for 58 touchdowns. Um, he threw for 6,000 yards, roughly, somewhere in that mm -hmm. range. And he ran for close to 1,000, I think, total in his career. Um, he doesn't take a lot of bad sacks. People will say he's a system quarterback. He, he played in Josh Heupel's system. That's the only reason he had the success he had. That doesn't change the fact that he's smart, takes care of the football. He's extremely articulate. He's going to impress a lot of teams when they talk to him because he's a well-spoken uh, young man. And he's 25 years old. Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, for a team that's looking for a guy to come in and help them right away or at minimum be a backup that can step in at any time, that's, that's a really big thing. Number two, C.J. Stroud, you know, Big, big, big-time talent out of Ohio State. Um, you know, he, he's got all the intangibles in the world, like all these other guys, threw for, oh, gosh, almost 8,000 yards, 85 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions in his two years as a starter. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty good. He can move. Like, he runs well, but he doesn't run the ball very much. He, he doesn't need to. Um He's probably a sub four seven type guy, standing in at six three two fifteen, kind of your prototypical quarterback size these days. So he's my number two, and number one's Bryce Young. I think it's a no no doubter there. Um, you know, his biggest, the biggest knock on him is going to be his size. He's five eleven, yeah, two hundred pounds maybe if he's lucky. 
he can run, but he doesn't need to. You know, this year, 65% completion, 3,300 yards, 32 touchdowns, five picks. Um, he, he's, he, he isn't very tall. He's thin built, um, but he's a warrior. You know, the Tennessee game, best game, honestly, maybe the best game I've ever seen. You know, you, 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 we were in depth on that when obviously Tennessee pulled out the win. But the amount of times he got knocked down and got back up, and he was dinged up coming into it. Yeah. And he just got back up and kept rolling. He's he's tough. He's a competitor. My number one on the Power Five this week, Bryce Young, needs to go to whoever picks the first quarterback. Whether that's <laughs> – right. I don't think it's going to be the Bears. Does someone trade up? Do the Titans trade up? Uh, Sign uh. me up. Uh, Bryce Young, number one. All right, so my top five and and another honorable mention, so six. uh, My honorable mention, again, is one that most people, if you're not in Big Ten country or a Tennessee fan, you saw this guy in the Music City Bowl last year, uh, is Aiden O'Connell. For a career at Purdue, threw for 9,200 yards, 65 touchdowns, did throw 30 interceptions, um, which is kind of a high number. Uh, but is more of your when when I think of an NFL quarterback is an NFL quarterback, you know, six three, about two thirty, uh, pocket passer. So that's my honorable mention. Uh, my number five, and and I honestly really struggled to put him in here. And after you were talking about him at the beginning, I was like, eh, maybe not. Anthony Richardson. Um, this really this this whole you've got some some good guys at the top in this draft uh, prospects at the quarterback, but then you got some guys here that you're kind of plugging in a little bit. But Anthony Richards, Richardson, the only no stat really jumps off the board except he did have almost 700 yards rushing and nine touchdowns this year at Florida, and he's six five and big and can move, and that really kind of seems to be. The, the way the NFL is moving is, is quarterbacks that, that can run the ball. Uh, so that is something he can do. So I've got Richardson at number five. Again, don't feel super confident about that. Uh, Will Levis at number four. For whatever reason, draft boards have him going like fourth overall. Not just the fourth best quarterback, but the fourth best player apparently. Um, you know, we talked about his stats. The big one that sticks out to me is twenty in two years as a starter at Kentucky, 23 interceptions. That's a lot of picks. Again, like you said, for a Kentucky offense, it's not throwing the ball 35, 40 times a game. A, a Kentucky offense that runs the ball with Chris Rodriguez and, and Smoke and plays a lot under center, double tight ends um, with a fullback, but he still threw 23 interceptions, and he threw three against a – not very good defensive secondary at Tennessee. But he is 6'3", 230, and can throw the ball a mile. So I've got him at number four, and our top three are the same. Number three, again, people say, oh, you're just a Tennessee fan, blah, 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 blah. I watched Hendon Hooker play a lot of football over the past two years. And what I saw out of Hendon Hooker is a guy that in 631 pass attempts at Tennessee threw five interceptions. He threw three uh, in 2021 and through two this year. And they are a team that's going to throw the ball. This is a team that throws the ball down the field, uh, and he throws the ball down the field with accuracy. 
and takes care of the football. I'm not sure if Anthony Richardson threw it 631 times on air <laughs> that he wouldn't throw five picks. You're probably someone. When, when you say it that way is the part that people really need to hear about Hendon Hooker. Yeah. And, and, and C.J. Stroud as well. Yeah. And Bryce Young as well. Yeah. These guys threw the ball an astronomical amount of times and threw five picks. Yeah. And in C.J. Stroud's case, threw 12 picks. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable that people – five picks, 631 attempts. I don't think I could throw the ball 631 times, but if I could – Without my arm falling <laughs> off, I would throw it to someone else somehow five times, more, way more than five times. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, all the intangibles that you talked about with Hendon Hooker, he's 25 years old, so he's experienced, he's smart, he's articulate. He's going to be whatever, – whatever team drafts him, even just off the field, he's going to be a fantastic spokesman for that team. Whatever team that is, he's going to be a great advocate for that team. He's going to be a great advocate for the community and the city that he gets drafted to. Again, I know it's like, oh, you're a Tennessee homer. There's been quarterbacks that played at Tennessee, and I'm like, nope, they're not very good. Hendon Hooker is good. So he's my number three. Number two, C.J. Stroud. Again, the statistics you threw out. In two years, 8,100 yards, 85 touchdowns. The one thing that people might say, oh, he didn't run the ball. He didn't have to run the ball. And I do believe that he is definitely athletic enough, definitely fast enough, that if he needs to run the ball in the NFL, he can do that. And then number one, a guy, again, that we saw a ton uh, here in the SEC watching Tennessee is Bryce Young. 8,200 yards, 79 touchdowns. His 2021 year, um, he threw for 4,800 yards and 47 touchdowns. Uh, Now, granted, they played – a few more games that year than they did this year, and he missed a game this year. But just like he said, the the Tennessee-Alabama game, they didn't lose that game because Bryce Young played bad. You know, he uh, threw for 400-something yards and hit the deck a bunch of times. I mean, they Tennessee brought the heat on him, and he kept getting back up, kept getting back up. And he missed the week before with a shoulder injury on his throwing shoulder, and he comes out and does that. The one knock, again, that you mentioned is he's five foot eleven or six feet tall. Well, Drew Brees was also six feet tall. Uh, Russell Wilson's a smaller quarterback. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's as much as an issue now in today's game with, with rolling the pocket, with throwing screens, with, with things like that, a mobile quarterback. I don't think that's much of an issue anymore where, you know, back in the day, a Peyton Manning six foot five or a Tom Brady, six foot five, was the type of quarterback you really wanted. Um, so yeah, like you said, whoever needs a quarterback first, it's got to be Bryce Young. He's the best guy coming out of the draft at the quarterback position for me. Well, that's it for the Power Five. Thanks again to NC's Campers for sponsoring our segment. Now we're going to move over into the Big Boys Corner Picks. Our Big Boys Corner Picks is brought to you as always by Tennessee Bonding Company. If you find yourself in a pickle on Super Bowl Sunday and need a bonding company, call Tennessee Bonding Company to reunite you and your loved ones. Serving Blunt and Loudoun counties and all other surrounding counties, ask for Courtney or Nate at 865-255-3361. So, Wednesday, we're getting a little uh, low on these uh, big boy corner picks now with no football and, you know, 
college basketball we can always pick, but, man, it's not as fun to pick games that don't matter as much. So, right. obviously, we'll be able to roll into, um, you know, tournament season mm-hmm. and pick. Um, uh, also, just something that I'm kind of thinking off of the top of my head, I think we'll do a little NASCAR picking every week yeah. where we can only pick – a driver once until we get to the playoffs. Mm. So we'll mm. we'll have all thirty six chartered um, cars available, but we can only pick them once until yeah. we get to the, like the final that. final uh, ten you know races there, and then it'll reset, and we'll keep a tally of who had the higher driver, and mm. maybe have a little little something on that at the end of the year just for some fun. So yeah. this week, we just have four for you this week, three basketball games, and then obviously the Super Bowl where we'll have our score. Um, and and we'll, we'll maybe throw a few little more keys out there for that one. But the first one we're going to pick is a college basketball game, Kansas and Oklahoma. Um, you know, Kansas, that was a game we picked a few weeks ago when they played Kentucky. They were on a skid. Yeah. Kentucky was playing hot. Kansas came out and beat them. Oklahoma hadn't been playing very well, and then they – just ran Alabama off the court, you know, and then they turn around their next game and just get drilled by West Virginia. You know, looking at this game, when I was kind of digging into it, I think it's a pretty easy pick. Give me the Jayhawks. Yeah, I'll take Kansas in this one, even though it is in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas has been playing better, like you said, got the big win in Rupp Arena against Kentucky in the Big 12 SEC battle that they had a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, give me Kansas in this one. The next one we're going to pick is uh, the college basketball version of the Iron Bowl, uh, Bama and Auburn. Uh, you know, again, Bama gets drilled by Oklahoma. Um, I, I think, and I may be wrong about this, so I want to make sure I look at it before I say, did Bama, yeah, Bama lost another game recently too, did they not? To, um, no, they did not. It was Arkansas that, that beat somebody else. Right. Sorry. Um, so Alabama plays Auburn. That's tomorrow um, at 2 p.m. Uh, give me the Crimson Tide in that one. Yeah, I'm going to take um, Alabama as well. We recently saw Auburn play uh, Tennessee in a game that, and no offense to JV Middle School basketball, but looked like a JV Middle School basketball game. 46 to 43. It looked like there was a bucket or a, a lid on top of the bucket, but. Yeah, Auburn uh, is battling kind of right now to to be a, a tournament team. They still think they probably will be. But, man, Alabama can drop 90, 100 points in a game easily. So, yeah, give me the Crimson Tide against Auburn. Speaking of uh, JV middle school basketball, the Tennessee Vols play the Missouri Tigers. <laughs> man, just we, we didn't talk college basketball this week and, and probably won't again ne- until after next week with our NASCAR preview. But, man, Tennessee basketball has been playing terrible. Um, you know, just absolutely zero offense coming from them. They – they, I, I don't know. Just they seem to have no cohesiveness on the court offensively. You know, they go and play a, a really mediocre Vanderbilt team in Nashville. Right. You know, and, and that's a tough gym to play. It's, it's a weird setup. Um, but late in the game – Julian Phillips, all he's got to do is go down and dunk the ball, and he instead passes it out. Vescovi gets fouled, misses the front end of a one-and-one, and Vanderbilt comes down and drives into the lane, and three people crash in on him. And all that does is, is ties the game. Yeah. If they make it, it ties the game. But instead, they dish it out for a wide-open three, hit it, Vanderbilt wins. 
saying all that, Tennessee rolls. I think Tennessee comes out and, and has a chip on their shoulder, um, haven't played very well offensively. I think they're going to come out with, with a little bit of a, hey, we're going to show people that we are a good team. Do I think that they're the team that we've had conversations about that, hey, maybe this is the national championship team? I don't, not right, right now. Yeah. But I do still think they're a top 10 or 15 team in the country, and I think they show that against Missouri. Yeah, this is a, a Tennessee team that a couple weeks ago scored 82 in a win against Texas, a top 10 Texas team that's been playing well. And then they go three straight games, uh, lose to Florida and score 54, beat Auburn and score 46 points, which I was talking about someone the other day, the the football team, the Tennessee Vols, scored more points than that in six of their 13 games this year. Um, and then go to Vanderbilt and score 65. So a, a team that is struggling, like you said, to find an offensive identity, Escovy and Ziegler have been almost no-shows the past couple of games. Again, all that being said, I think this is the game that Zakai Ziegler, this becomes his team. He runs the point. He's the guy. And Ken Palm has Tennessee winning by 13 in this game. I think the spread will probably be 10.5 or 11. And I think Tennessee comes out on their home court and suffocates uh, – Missouri defensively and gets the ship righted. Now, they're going to go score 90 points? Probably not. But gets the ship righted offensively and rolls in this one. Yeah, they're going to need to because uh, their next game is against Alabama. And yeah. so they, they, they need to need to get something going. So then our final pick here in the in the corner picks is uh, Kansas City-Philadelphia Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. Um, you know, we talked in depth about that earlier. Um, here's what I think it comes down to. We, we talked all about – Offense, defense, if I am a GM starting a new team tomorrow and I have the pick of the litter, you go pick who you want. Am I picking Andy Reid or am I picking Nick Sirianni? Andy Reid. I'm picking Andy Reid. Am I picking Patrick Mahomes or am I picking Jalen Hurts? I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. Correct. Am I picking Travis Kelsey or am I picking Dallas Goddard? <laughs> right. You see, it's a recurring thing. Yeah, and that's am not. I, am I picking Brandon Graham or am I picking Chris Jones? Right. I'm picking Chris Jones, and yeah. that's not. That's nothing against the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Incredible right. season, and I might get on here next week, Nick, and say, "Man, I was wrong." <laughs> Correct. We could, but I don't think so. Kansas City 31, Eagles 24. Yeah. Um, all those reasons you just said, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, best player. Won the MVP, MVP again. 48 out of 50 votes. You know, I mean, Andy Reid, a top five coach all time and wins. And, again, it, this this is not like, oh, Philadelphia sucks. Jalen Hurts sucks. Uh, Nick Sirianni sucks. Blah, 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 blah. They have good players. They have Pro Bowl players. They have a coach, Nick Sirianni. If he continues at this trajectory, he's going to be a good head coach. But Kansas City's better – at the coaching position, at the quarterback position, at tight end, at this, at this, at this, at the X factor. I've got Kansas City and a nail-biter 28-27. And, and maybe maybe the better way to say it's not even they're better. Right. Maybe it's they're just more experienced. Correct. And, man, experience lends a lot sometimes. How many times has Andy Reid been here and done that? How many yeah. times has Patrick Mahomes been here and done that? And I'm not just talking about the Super Bowl, but big games. 
Yeah. How many years has Travis Kelsey been doing this? I mean, at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts has only been in the league for three years now. Yeah, yeah. And we we seem to forget, look, Jalen Hurts is great. He got benched in college yeah. and had to go to a different one. Right. And and I think that's made him better. But experience lends a lot. So both of us, Kansas City, um, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit next week in our NASCAR preview just to talk about how that one went. And, uh, well, that's it for the Big Boys Corner Pick. Again, we, we always appreciate Tennessee Bond & Company for sponsoring us. If you ever need that kind of assistance, give them a call at 865-255-3361. Thanks for joining this week on the Big Boy Sports Corner. Next week, we will have our much-anticipated redo of the 2023 NASCAR season preview, talk about the Daytona 500, talk about the clash a little bit, which just happened. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Remember to follow us on social media and like and share our posts. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday night. And until next time, y'all be good. <laughs>